Hello, I'm Neil Shore. I'm the medical director of Carolina Urologic Research Center and working with Genesis Care US. I'm the moderator for today's broadcast entitled Chemo Ablation in Urothelial Cancer. This is part of a podcast series. We're really appreciative that we have sponsorship today from Eurogen Pharma on behalf of the Journal of Endourology and the Endourological Society. I'm really pleased and honored to have a great friend and colleague and a really distinguished guest, Dr. William Wong, who is the professor of urology and radiology at NYU School of Medicine, and who is also the vice chair of the Department of Urology. Bill, it's great to have you on the call today. Our title is really an important one for so many different reasons. It's really meeting the unmet need in a low-grade intermediate risk non-muscle invasive bladder cancer. So hi, Bill, thanks so much for, for joining um, and we'll get ready to get started. Probably right out of the gate, we have to talk about the BCG shortage. How are you responding to that and what are your thoughts about the BCG shortage? Maybe you can begin our conversation on the BCG shortage and traditional historic approaches to intravesical therapy for our patients with low-grade to intermediate-risk non-muscle invasive bladder cancer? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to start by first addressing uh, the question you had asked about the uh, BCG shortage, which has been an ongoing problem for us, and I'm sure uh, all of the providers out there across the country. Uh, But one ramification of that is that we've been really trying to hold on to BCG for those patients who are truly high-risk. So, Uh, In this particular disease state of uh, patients with intermediate risk bladder cancer, as an example, patients who have frequent recurrences of low-grade bladder cancer may be, in the past, been given induction BCG to try to control their disease, but given the current shortage, uh, we really are uh, reserving BCG for those patients who have true high-risk disease. Uh, In terms of the management of uh, intermediate risk disease, uh, I primarily view those patients with intermediate risk disease as those who have either large low-grade bladder tumors or recurrent low-grade bladder tumors. So uh, in this patient population, the management of this disease has primarily been uh, endoscopic management through transurethral resection. Uh, And for those who truly recur frequently, uh, we will consider giving intravesical uh, chemotherapy as an adjuvant Uh, And again, reserving BCG not for these patients uh, as their risk of progression is lower, but really holding on to the BCG for those with uh, true high-risk bladder cancer. I completely agree with that. We've really prioritized, as I think most uh, urologists in the U.S. have, our BCG induction for patients with uh, high-grade papillary or T1 and or CIS, but there's so many of these patients who have recurrent low grade and or fit the definition of, of intermediate risk. And, and just by managing them with repeated resections really becomes a real burden to patients, doesn't it? In terms of just uh, the anesthetic, the, the actual procedure itself, the risk of complication, albeit small, catheterizations, et cetera. What has been your approach, Bill, when you're not using BCG to someone who has persistent recurrent 
uh, papillary uh, disease after an initial resection. How have you thought about non-BCG intravesical strategies? For many of us, we have a collection of patients who have recurrent low-grade disease. And so often during surveillance cystoscopy, after the initial TUR, we will, as per the guidelines, you know, scope them maybe three months and then eventually six months and eventually once a year and move it up pretty quickly as long as they don't have recurrences. A good number of patients out there who will recur and will recur frequently and will often have small papillary lesions all throughout the bladder on every other surveillance cystoscopy or sometimes even every surveillance cystoscopy. And so I've been trying to manage these patients through more frequent cystoscopies along with either endoscopic management in the office. But I know that not everyone is keen on necessarily fulgurating or or uh, treating bladder tumors in the office setting. And if the tumors are certainly large enough or if there's a carpeting of it or involves a large portion of the bladder wall, I will take them to the OR for a TURBT. And as I previously mentioned, often in these patients who have recurrences, uh, I will consider uh, perioperative installation of chemotherapy with such as uh, mitomycin. Really good, interesting points. Patients get frustrated with the repetitive recurrence concept, right? You go in, you got all the tumor, right, doctor? And of course we say, yes, we got everything that we could see, whether it's just white light alone or preferably if one has blue light technology. But yet there is this incredibly uh, frustrating phenomenon of papillary recurrence and, and, and patients get frustrated using post-TRBT intravesical mitomycin is, and other intravesical strategies has been um, described, but you know, it's interesting to me looking at previous published data that we don't typically do as much of that as we'd like, do we? There are a lot of patients and physicians just are, for whatever reasons, it just doesn't always seem as practical. And so I guess I'll ask you now, Bill, if, if you're, you're seeing these patients and their, your, their sense of frustration with recurrence, and we have the BCG shortage, what have been some of your intravesical chemotherapy strategies? As you just mentioned, the use of perioperative installation of chemotherapy uh, across the board uh, in the United States has been reported to be very low. I will tell you on a personal level, uh, I rarely give perioperative installation after a TURBT in the OR. And I think a lot of us have had personal experiences with severe mitomycin-induced cystitis, even necrosis of the bladder. So I do use intravesical chemotherapy regularly, but it's frequently in the office setting where I will, under blue light or white light cystoscopy, fulgurate bladder tumors and then instill mitomycin for about an hour afterwards uh, in the office. And I feel that uh, the amount of uh, fulguration or resection or uh, treatment uh, that you do in the office is significantly less than necessarily than what you do in the operating room. And so I've had much fewer instances of mitomycin cystitis or cystitis from chemotherapy following installation in the office. Now, that's just my personal experience. But as you mentioned, the use of it regularly after a TURBT uh, across the board is uh, very, very low compared to what the guidelines had uh, recommended in the past. 
Outside of using mitomycin, I know several colleagues of mine do use other agents, but a lot of the intravesical chemo agents that have been investigated really are in the setting of for patients with, say, high-grade disease who have failed BCG or cannot receive BCG or, uh, as we talked about, due to the BCG shortage, are looking for alternative options. So uh, on a personal level, I, I haven't been experimenting or using other intravesical chemotherapy agents as a perioperative installation for intermediate risk or low-grade bladder tumors. I understand that. Absolutely. That's a really good point. And also, there's a, a potpourri of choices historically that we've had going back to the days of epirubicin, still used widely in China. You know, others have used other forms of intravesical chemotherapies. I think in the U.S., we primarily have been using most for historically mitomycin, as you mentioned. There's now some use, uh, of course, of, of gemcitabine and docetaxel, various combinations. I wonder if you could talk about a brief moment on the use of mitomycin in the gel formulation that has now been uh, approved for upper tract, but we're now looking at this chemoablation strategy of the mitomycin gel within the bladder for these particularly recalcitrant low-grade, intermediate-risk NMIBC patients to try and cut down on their recurrence risk? I'm sure that most of the listeners are all familiar with this reverse thermal hydrogel, which is combined with mitomycin. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's been approved for use uh, in the upper tract. And so it makes sense that by using a similar agent in the bladder for the management of lower tract disease, particularly intermediate risk disease, that this could be a form of treating these low-grade bladder tumors without the use of repetitive endoscopic procedures such as TURBT or office fulgurations, which as we already discussed, is frustrating, can be painful. And for those patients who are older and have significant comorbid conditions could actually be dangerous for them to undergo repetitive anesthetics. So by applying this reverse thermo hydrogel into the bladder, this allows for prolonged dwell time and exposure of the active agent, which in this case is mitomycin, for up to four to six hours as opposed to an hour, the way that we administer mitomycin in the aqueous form uh, after uh, TURBT. And so uh, this prolonged uh, exposure and dwell time allows for what we call chemoablation uh, of these bladder tumors rather than endoscopic resection or ablation. And so this has been used in ongoing trial right now, and the results are available for a previous uh, phase 2B trial that we just got accepted in manuscript form uh, in the Journal of Urology, which will be coming out shortly. I was really pleased to be part of that study with you. You're the senior author of the paper, and so congratulations to you for your leadership. I think that the results that have been submitted, and, and again, for publication, are extremely compelling. The complete response rates were rather impressive, and the durability of response as well for those patients who did respond. You know, intuitively, I like this concept that with traditional intravesical liquid-based therapies, it really is predicated upon patient tolerability for holding on to medication. 
with the mitogel strategy or what we did in the Optima 2 study, thanks to your leadership, using this formulation called UGN 102, it's this reverse thermal gel, there's this greater dwell time. So there's greater contact. And in my experience, at least I found it to be you know, given intravesically and patients tolerated very well. And then perhaps that's the enhanced dwell time. It creates a, a greater cytotoxic effect. Is that your thinking, Bill, or is there something else to it? Because it is the active agent is, is mitomycin. I think that's exactly it. I think the fact that it can stay in the bladder for up to six hours allows exposure to the active agent, which again, in this case is mitomycin. And so logically result in a better chemoablative effect than when we use it in the uh, perioperative installation uh, aqueous form, which is pretty much just about an hour. Exactly. And given in the clinic, typically as we would give any other intravesical therapy. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, a, it's not a huge study that we did, but nonetheless, I mean, uh, you know, a little over 60 patients and demonstrating a, for these low-grade and intermediate-risk patients a 65% CR at three months and 95% maintain that out to six months and almost uh, 60% out to nine months and even a really healthy number out to a full year. Patients really enjoy knowing that they're not getting recurrent disease. I I think these are the types of strategies that will really help us. It's important, isn't it? At least from my perspective, I'm curious what you think, Bill, regarding the implications of a therapy that cuts down on recurrence and arguably would decrease progression which is a small but real percentage risk. But I I think my question is, you know, the health economic outcome measure of avoiding these recurrences, are you getting discussion with that at NYU and how important it is to cut down on our our resource utilization? That's definitely obviously in the back of our minds, not just from a patient perspective uh, and obviously the finances of it uh, and the economic burden of it is, is less on their mind. But when we look at it from from our standpoint, it certainly is extremely helpful to cut down on the number of cystoscopies that we already do, let alone the number of transurethral resections if we have to frequently take these people back two, three times a year, which is really a both a, a physical and economic burden on some of these patients. I think that everyone knows that bladder cancer is one of the most expensive cancers to treat, largely because of the expense involved with the uh, use of repetitive surgical procedures. So I think down the road, especially once and if this does get approved for the use of intermediate risk disease, we could see this being used frequently for patients with low risk disease. And as it gets combined with other agents, maybe even other types of non-muscle invasive bladder cancer. But certainly if this can reduce the number of transurethral resections or interventions down to once a year or maybe even less than that, that would be a tremendous benefit to these patients and a huge economic uh, savings. Excellent point. Any final closing thoughts um, or where next steps are in terms of the development of the reverse gel technology with mitomycin? I think final thoughts are 
you know, obviously we were very pleased with the results of that phase 2B trial with the 63 patients. And there is an ongoing trial right now, which is a phase 3 trial with a significantly larger number of patients that I would encourage any uh, clinicians out there to consider either enrolling patients in it or opening up this trial uh, within their own site or seeking any uh, possible uh, colleagues uh, wherever they practice. Because I really do think that this, for the correct patient, uh, has a tremendous amount of benefit. And again, these are the patients that we see that are frequent flyers. They come in and every time we scope them, we're you know, discussing with them about, uh, well, we're going to have to take you to the operating room the next time or look, there's another one. And, you know, this is a, this is a great way to um, provide another alternative non-surgical treatment option for these patients. Excellent summary, Bill. Thank you so much. What a great pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for your leadership on this really interesting and promising therapeutic for our patients with low-grade and intermediate-risk bladder cancer. We clearly all agree that it, it, we've got to cut down on recurrences. It helps uh, the patient morbidity, and it certainly is, is beneficial to the healthcare economic uh, landscape. I want to thank the sponsor of our podcast today, Eurogen Pharma, especially on behalf of the Journal of Endourology and the Endourological Society. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for having me.